This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance. Good to be with you today. And I want to talk to you about spiritual disciplines, uh, particularly about Bible reading and Bible intake. And this is a kind of the question I want to pose. And I want to, I'm going to kind of tread as a pastor where angels uh, fear to trod, and I'm going to ask this question. Is it more important for people to have a habit of personal Bible reading or a habit of hearing and applying the word that is preached at church? It was uh, kind of recently on my attention because I was talking with some college students and they were asking me as they were graduating, kind of preparing to graduate, um, what should we be focused on as we graduate? And I'm actually going to do a podcast coming up on answering kind of that question, the four major categories I talk about. But one of the things I said to them is what you need more than just private, p- personal, spiritual disciplines is corporate spiritual disciplines. In other words, If you had to choose between attending your local church, hearing your pastor preach the word, dwelling deeply on it, or having an incredibly fruitful personal Bible reading habit, I would tell you the word preached is more important than the word read. Now, they looked at me like I was a little bit crazy, and so I want to take some time to actually unpack why I think in your life spiritually... The preached word, the word of God that you gather and you sit underneath the authority as a local congregation, why I actually think that is a central spiritual discipline. The the discipline of being a great sermon hearer, not just a great Bible reader. Why is it that I think you need to elevate that in in priority and importance in your personal spiritual life? And so to explain why I think that deserves some priority... Um, I want to talk first about just a reflection of how does the habit of personal Bible reading begin to take a high prominence in the evangelical church in North America? Like, we'll do a little historical work there. But then I want to kind of get into then why some some of the reasons why hearing the word preached seems so centrally important to the Christian life and just some ways that you can grow in not just being a great Bible reader, but being a great Bible hearer, a great sermon hearer, a great a person who hungers after God's word as it's preached and applies it to your life. So let's just start with this. I, I want to just slowly think for just a couple minutes about how it came to be that we would assume as evangelical Christians, as Bible-believing Christians in North America, that the habit of personal Bible reading would be centrally important. I mean, honestly, when you, if I look back on my own spiritual journey and somebody said, how are you doing spiritually? Back in my college days, my 20s, the first answer would have been, I would have told them how I was doing on my habit of reading the Bible and praying. Because those two central, personal, individual, daily spiritual practices were the way I kind of gave myself a grade on spiritual life. How are you doing spiritually? Well, my time in the Word is good. You know, that would have been the first answer I would have given someone. That comes, that kind of like very exaggerated emphasis on personal, individual, daily Bible reading has historical roots. 
it wasn't true for um, Christians throughout the vast majority of the history of the church in the simple reason that it wasn't that habit of Bible reading wasn't central to their spiritual life was because of some very important historical technological factors. If you go back to, let's say, you know, the year 1300 AD, very, very, very few people would have owned a Bible to be able to read it personally. And even the you need to look at literacy rates and realize throughout the Middle Ages and medieval times and back before that in the patristic era, the, that's kind of like the first several hundred years of the Christian church, illiteracy was more common than literacy in the majority of the world. See, we assume in a highly affluent Western world that people can all read and that people all own books. But that is actually a very novel and unique thing in the history of the church. Very few people in the 1300s owned books because books at that time, they had to be handwritten. There's no mass production. So books themselves were incredibly expensive, incredibly expensive. The same is going to be true while the printing press is invented in the 1600s. It still takes several hundred years before the individual person owning a whole lot of books is normal at all in the world. And so when people think about the value of personally reading the Bible, that is not a common practice advocated anywhere in the history of the church until well into the 1800s. Really, it doesn't take full root into the 1900s. Now, it begins to have more prominence coming off of the Reformation. And the reason for that is in the Reformation era, in the 1600s, you have Martin Luther, the core reformers, who put forward uh, a doctrine that they call sola scriptura, only scripture, that says the sole basis of authority in the life of the Christian is God's word as recorded in scripture. And when they say sola scriptura, they're speaking in kind of a direct opposition to the practice of the Roman Catholic Church in the medieval era that said, if you just gave people the scripture, you would come up with all sorts of fanciful ideas. And so you need someone to give you a, you know, an, an official arbiter, an official interpreter of Scripture. So the Roman Catholic Church said, yes, Scripture is an authority, but really what's authoritative is the Church's authoritative understanding of Scripture. Well, Martin Luther and the Reformers kind of turned that on its head. And so as they, they lift up the doctrine of sola scriptura, they also begin to say things like, unless a person is convinced by Scripture in plain reason, they should not uh, submit to that authority. So the Roman Catholic Church could be wrong. What that did is it shifted the individual interpretation of Scripture to the center of how Scripture was to be understood. That is one of the central innovations of the Reformation era. Now, it doesn't mean that church history or, uh, you know, the church fathers have no authoritative, but but there was a distinction in the Reformation between what we, uh, what Protestant theologians have referred to as the distinction between magisterial and ministerial authorities. A magisterial authority is an authority that is an authority in and of itself. A ministerial authority is a secondary one. So what we've said is scripture has a magisterial, a supreme authority in the life of the believer, but church history has what's called a ministerial authority. It's important, it helps us to understand scripture, but it's not an authority on par with scripture. 
Well, that innovation comes in in the Reformation, which lifts Scripture in the plain reading of Scripture to a high, high, high value. And so you start to see the Reformers and others begin to lift up an emphasis on individuals reading the Bible. Even think of William Tyndall, the man who gave his life to see the Bible come into the English language, who said, my aim is that a common plowboy would have more familiarity with the Scripture than his priest. He wanted the Bible to get to common people. And so with that Reformation era emphasis, we begin to see the growth in the last kind of three to 400 years of individuals owning Bibles, of individuals being literate enough to read them, and of individuals being wealthy enough to have large numbers of Bibles and books available to them. Well, this kind of like seedbed takes even deeper root as you come into the 1900s in what we would call the post-World War II golden era of the evangelical or gospel-preaching church, which particularly is tied in that era to the rise of Billy Graham as a preacher and, and coming out of that, the surge of parachurch ministries. I'm going to highlight one of them particularly that you may have heard of. A parachurch ministry is a ministry that comes alongside of the local church. And one of the famous ones, starting in that World War II, kind of post-World War II revival, is a ministry known as the Navigators, started by a man named Dawson Troutman. Dawson Trotman was famous for teaching people spiritual disciplines, you know, teaching people individual disciplines. That roots out of the fact that the Navigators kind of starts tied to the armed forces and starts tied to the Navy. You might not have access to a local church, and so you have to learn how not just to be fed by your pastor, but how to be a spiritual self-feeder. And so there's an emphasis inside the Navigators materials to teach people how to hear the Word of God, how to read the Word of God, how to memorize the Word of God. All of that centered on the individual taking the initiative to study the Bible for themselves. The Navigators rises up. You have other parachurch ministries. Bible Study Fellowship is a wonderful example of one that lifts up the value of God's Word. You have K. Arthur's Precepts Ministries. Inductive Bible Study. Study Bibles begin to be published. Guys, study Bibles were not published into the 19, until the 1900s. The very first, the Schofield Bible, gained a wide hearing. You see the Bible Church Movement, John MacArthur's commentaries, and all these sorts of things. And this is the first time where the, there's an explosion of literature and growth in in kind of making accessible to the average individual well-read Christian the idea that I should inductively study the Bible for myself, that in a certain way I shouldn't just take my pastor's word for it, I should listen to the word for myself. There's a beauty in that, guys. There's a beauty in that Reformation era, because what begins to happen is in the treasuring of Scripture by individual people, we see God's Word read at new levels, and it's a beautiful thing. Friends, in this podcast, when I'm trying to lift up the value of sermon hearing, I am not trying to diminish the value of Bible reading. I think every Christian should take advantage of the unbelievable privilege we have living as modern Western American Christians to own God's Word and read God's Word for ourselves. We have a privilege that few in the history of God's church ever could have imagined having. Oh, the value of God's Word. The unbelievable privilege you have to read God's Word, it's unthinkable to me that as a modern American Christian, you wouldn't take advantage of that privilege and read God's Word regularly on your own. 
you should take advantage of study Bibles and other tools available to enhance your skill in reading from God so that you could hear from God's Word on your own. So don't hear one bit of what I'm saying as an advocation for stopping reading your Bible personally. But my observation for for just giving you a little bit of church history is this, that this notion that Bible reading is the central spiritual discipline for the Christian simply could never have been true for the majority of people through the history of the Christian church. It's a uniquely modern, uniquely wealthy, uniquely Western idea of spirituality that drives personal Bible reading to the top of the heap of spiritual disciplines. And I think that while it has added great value to us, one of the things that I notice right now is something that's taken far too, too much of a backseat is the discipline of Bible hearing or sermon hearing. You know, throughout the history of the church, you ask the question, how is it that Christians were nourished by God's word? And the answer is most commonly, they had to hear it preached in their local church. To be a hearer of God's word, when James 2 talks about, you need to be hearers, not just hearers of the word, but doers of it. He uses the word hearer, not the word reader. That's important. That's what you're going to see, by the way, all throughout the New Testament. They don't talk about somebody reading the word. They talk about them hearing the word. Because in the New Testament era, and for hundreds of years following, the primary way an individual Christian would have received God's word was through hearing it. Someone would have read it aloud to them. Someone would have taught it to them in their local congregation. It's why the role of the pastor or the teacher, James even warns, he says, you need to be careful, brothers. You shouldn't aspire, not many of you, to be teachers. You'll be held to a stricter judgment. Why are the, Why are they held to a stricter judgment? Because they were giving people God's word and they couldn't treat that lightly. Lightly, They had to cling to it. They had to faithfully pass down the tradition because the people in the pews were dependent on the pastor in the pulpit to hear God's word. Very few owned copies of scripture. They weren't doing that. So here's the point I want to lift up is that through the history of the church, there was a higher value on the hearing of God's word preached than we traditionally assigned to it in a Western American context. And I do have a bit of a concern that that's twofold. Number one, I see out there um, the rise of podcasting preachers, where now we almost treat sermon hearing like an entertainment exercise, and we compare our local pastor to John Piper or Matt Chandler's best conference sermon, which let's be frank, friends, your local pastor, no matter how good they are, they're not Matt Chandler. He's better. Guys, if, we, if the goal of hearing God's word was to hear the best sermon every week, you should not go to your local church. You should dial up YouTube because you can get access to better preachers than you will the local pastor. I know that's true for every member at Cornerstone Church. They will not hear, if they show up at church on Sunday, they will not hear the best sermon they could have heard. You could have gotten that on the internet because Matt Chandler is better than me. John Piper is better than me. And they're not just a little bit better. They're way better, guys. Tim Keller, oh my word, these people blow your local pastor away. And so in an era of podcasting, one temptation is to begin to judge the word of God preached by comparing your pastor to the best pastor you've ever heard. 
you know? But that that's we'll talk about that in a second. Why I think there's some flaw to that method. You're misunderstanding what preaching is about. But then secondly, I think another flaw is just simply where we begin to value the preaching of the word too likely. It's like in one air and out the other. I heard the word preached on Sunday. What what did what grabbed your heart? How are you applying that to your life? James admonishes us, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of it. But every week we walk into church, we hear the word preached. Can you say anything about what God grabbed your heart on from the sermon you heard five days ago? You know what's true in my life? Often I can't come up with anything. And I was the one who preached it. So just think about that. How lightly are we treating the word of God preached if we can't even think of how it should apply to our life five days after. So here's what I want to admonish you toward. I don't want you to read your Bible less. I want you to listen to preaching better, more intently. So here's a few tools and some perspective to help you do that. The first thing I want to call you to is I want to call you to treasure the gathering of your local church. And I I, I just think... You have got to be. Cornerstone Church, I love the fact that we have so many dedicated local members. You, you need to treasure that gathering. It needs to have a place in your heart and in your schedule that is so hard to move, friends. And as you treasure that, here's one way. I want you to prepare your heart for the word before you hear it. Even simply make it this practice. Even if you're running a little bit late, I know no one ever does that to Sunday services at Cornerstone, but maybe you're listening to, an, to this from another church where people arrive later to services um, than our incredibly prepared congregation here in Ames. All that's a joke. I love you, Cornerstone. We're all just five minutes late in Ames. It's okay. I'm not judging you, okay? But look, as soon as you walk in to the auditorium, as soon as you walk in and you find a seat, here's what I want you to do before you do anything else. I want you to just literally kind of ex- open your heart. One of the simple prayers I've, I've kind of conditioned myself to pray is to pray this, speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. I'm not just here to participate in some sort of concert. I'm here to hear from the living God. When your word is preached, God, I want to hear from you. So you speak, Lord. You've appointed preaching and teaching as a, as a call to herald to a local congregation the word of our great King Jesus. So God, you speak, and I'm going to listen. I'm praying that as the sermon is being preached, I'm praying, God, you're speaking. What do you want me to hear? God, what do you want me? I want you to lean your heart in by preparing it. So if that means before you start singing, you sit down and you just pray that, God, speak. Your, your servant's listening. I think that would help you. Let me give you this goal. Each week, I, I love when people take uh, sermon notes, but don't just make it a goal to write out the outline. F- make it a goal that as you're writing that out, you find one or two nuggets of truth that need to be applied to your life and underline them. Okay, And then, here's the admonition, every day in your quiet time of reading God's Word or whatever, go back to what you just heard from the Word and look at it again and say, God, help me apply this to my life. Don't, guys, I have this idea. I want you to think of the preached Word like a a Werther's Original Hard Candy. And if you can't think of what a Werther's Original, get a Jolly Rancher in your head. I had this happen to me the other day. I uh, 
came to my office. I had a candy. I had, you know, needed it for like a throat loss, and so I was sucking on this this kind of Werther's original candy. And then I I had to <laughs> I had to go someplace to eat something. I didn't want to lose the candy, which this is probably giving a little too much of my uh, cheapness away. So I put it back in the wrapper and I kind of wrapped it back up so I could have more of it later. And you come back to that hard candy, you can suck on it again. It still tastes great. Um, I'm not advocating. Maybe there's some sort of bacterial problem, but I feel fine. Here, here's the point. The preached word is like a hard candy that I promise you, what you d- need to do on Sunday is not just throw that sermon in your mouth, bite down on it hard, like crush your teeth in it, and you go, yep, I got all of it. No, I want you to keep kind of sucking on that sermon. Keep tasting it. Keep coming back to it. Rewrap it. Come back the next day. Inside your daily spiritual practice, don't be a one-and-done sermon hearer from Sunday. Savor it. This is what the Bible means when it means meditation. It's pulling this back up and going back over it. I want you to start to do that. Find one or two nuggets of truth that you highlight, and every day that next week, don't just read the Bible. Meditate on what you heard from God's Word, okay? Here's another thing you can do to help become a great sermon hearer is this. Um, I want you to, in your heart, think, um, I, I need a local pastor, not just a great podcast preacher. And I'm, I'm going to share a little bit of my own story here. I, I think I was probably, uh, I consumed more sermons for entertainment than anyone I knew. I would listen voraciously to every sermon that everyone preached. Guys, if James says, don't be hearers only of the word, but be doers of it, I heard so much of the Bible, there's no way I was keeping up in my living. There's no way I was doing what I was hearing. I was listening to everything Keller put out. I, when I drove someplace, I'd listen to it. When I was filing music as a worship pastor back at Sailorville, I would listen to a sermon. I would do, I listened to sermons the way people listen to you know news podcasts or audiobooks. I just consumed it voraciously. And while I'm very thankful for the deposit of truth that God put in me, some of the lessons I learned, after a while of doing that, you know what I started noticing? I started noticing that I wasn't as thankful for my local pastor, Pat Nimmers, who was such a godly, faithful man, who just lifted God's word up to me. I had started noticing in my own heart, I was comparing people I heard preach to the best, best podcast preacher I had. And here's what I realized one day. I realized... This podcast preacher I'm listening to isn't going to stand in front of God giving an account for my soul, but Pat Nimmers will. And Pat Nimmers prayed for me and my wife, and he knew me, and he loved me. And that podcast preacher didn't. That's no insult to podcasts. I'm glad that people can listen to a podcast like this. I'm glad people share it around to others. I think it's of such value that we have the ability, and in context where there isn't a healthy local church, for God's word to be shared, we should delight in these things. But friends, if you have a local pastor who's not as good a preacher as Matt Chandler, that's fine because Matt Chandler won't stand in front of Jesus and give an account for your soul. And you don't just need the best preaching. You need a pastor. There's something powerful 
about coming to church and saying, I want to hear God speak to me through his word, but not just through his word, through this person who's praying for me and thinking of our local congregation, who has my soul in view as he preaches God's word. And I think you need a treasure, your local pastor, not just your podcast preacher. I realize coming from a pastor, that is a little weird. It's like a dad saying, you know what, you need to love your dad. I recognize I'm taking a risk. I have a bit of a conflict of interest, but I think it matters. And here's why all of this kind of comes to head in my life, is because I think I want to grow in listening to God's Word because I did this so badly so many years of my life. I went to Bible college where they had a kind of a I don't know, like a chapel every day. And they'd bring guys through, they'd preach. And I was like a professional judger of sermons. It was like a hobby to find their flaws. I would listen to men who were godly men, who loved God's word, come and preach to us, and I treated it like it was nothing. And I've worked my whole life to change that. Even recently, We were talking with some of our younger staffers. They were asking me to evaluate um, how their preaching was. And I had to share with them that it's really hard for me to do that because I made a vow. I'd sinned so much in judging God's word that I just made a commitment before the Lord that I wouldn't do that. And so as I heard the word, like if I'm in middle school listening to Samuel Bowman teach God's word, I'm not trying to figure out how he can get better. I'm sitting there and I want to be like a beggar looking for where to find bread, saying, God, I need to hear from you. And I feel emotion about that because I did that so badly for so long that I just, I can't listen to sermons now and judge them. I just want to find a way to apply God's word. And so I'm glad to help our younger preachers and teachers in Quarterstone get better, um, but I have to listen later to what they taught, because in the moment, I want to say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. I want to hear from you. I've watched people like Tom Nesbitt model that in their life, and I love watching. That man has taught the Bible more than me, and every time I preach, he finds something incredible to talk about that God taught him. I want to live like that. So, friends, a couple thoughts for you as we close. I want to lift up the value of hearing God's word preached and treasuring it. I don't want you to stop reading your Bible, but I want you to start maybe a new intensity in the practice of how you try to hear God's word and apply it. I want you to realize this is really one of the main ways God means to feed your soul is through the preaching of his word. So treasure your local pastor, not just your podcast preacher. Treasure God's word heard. Don't stand in judgment on it. Instead, say, speak, Lord, I'm listening, and find one or two nuggets of truth to just come back to like that hard candy every day, getting a new taste of truth, going back to it. Let that nourish your soul. Keep reading your Bible, friends. Keep reading your Bible, but also don't forget to listen to God's word preached and to treasure it.